Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Business Talk. Uh, We have a great show for you today. We are continuing our series of shows uh, profiling the finalists for Business West's coveted Alumni Achievement Award. Uh, we're talking this morning with uh, Hendon County District Attorney Anthony Galuni. Uh, good morning, Anthony. How are you today? Good morning. I'm great, George. How are you? I'm very well. Happy to have you on the show, and congratulations for being one of the finalists for our Alumni Achievement Award. It's good to see those, I guess we could call them public servants. We had Eric Lesser on last week, and now we have you. That's Good to see those people getting the recognition they deserve. Well, I'm very pleased to be considered and, and um, yeah, humbled by the uh, just the honor of being uh, in the finals, uh, the final consideration for this great award. Okay. Well, we have a lot to talk about today, uh, and a lot of it has to do with uh, just all the press you've been getting lately. Uh, seems like you're in the news more than uh, the president or the governor uh, every time I open the newspaper mm-hmm. or turn on the TV, uh, you've got FaceTime with the district attorney. So uh, I think that's a dedication of uh, a lot of the programs that you put in place, uh, a lot of the goals that you set when you became district attorney. Was it uh, six years ago now? Yeah, almost seven. In fact, they started seven. January okay. 2015. Yeah. yeah so I want to talk about some of that, but uh, just uh, Start with uh, those goals that you set back uh, back in 2015, uh, 2014, when you were first elected to this position. I know you had some things in mind that you wanted to do with this office, and it looks like uh, a lot of those uh, plans are coming to fruition now. Yeah, I'm very fortunate, George, and I'm, I'm happy that you've, you've sort of noticed that. You know, we, I'm really proud in particular of the promises I made to this community who ultimately elected me. You know, in 2013 and really 2014 when I campaigned, you know, I talked a lot about what my vision was for this office and how I thought it could best serve the public. And in particular, you know, I talked about doing things to give people opportunities to prevent crime you know, helping young people, helping people suffering from addiction, helping people suffering from mental health issues, but also performing that core function of encouraging and supporting public safety, which of course is, you know, really my charter as district attorney. So if you look back just in the last few months, but I hope people see over the last almost seven years in my tenure as district attorney, that has been borne out by the work that we've done. And, you know, first and foremost, we've done so much community building and so much outreach through my community safety and outreach unit, you know, supporting young people and making good decisions and developing uh, rapport with law enforcement that might be different than what they experienced. You know, all the various programs uh, that have been out in the media, um, you know, founding our, our young adult court, which we call the Emerging Adult Court of Hope, or each, which is really working with troubled young adults who are really destined for bad things and trying to turn their lives around through their own investment in themselves and their futures, you know, to really changing the, the structure of the office four, five or six years ago, specializing prosecutors, adding resources, focusing on smart prosecution and identifying really problematic individuals and also helping people through the court system, founding the drug court in 2015 with other partners, founding the veterans court, which is helping veterans who are struggling in coming back into society, which we founded with other partners, founding the young adult court, which I mentioned, 
And really just, you know, a few weeks ago we announced um, the SAFE unit, which I did in partnership with the state police and ATF and other local law enforcement, focusing on a very small percentage of the population that is intent on committing acts of violence that are real threats to public safety. And we did, a, you know, frankly, a, a really phenomenal job taking off the street a number of individuals who were proven to be violent and who were intent on hurting other people. So we've really tried to span the spectrum in order to support public safety and do positive things for young people and really have the deepest and most profound impact that we can have in serving the people for whom I work, and that's the people of Hamden County. Well, we want to talk some more about the uh, emerging uh court of hope there, uh, emerging adult court of hope, I guess they call it each. But uh, let's talk about your cold case program first. This has been getting um, a lot of headlines lately, uh, especially the Danny Croto case. Uh, tell us how this interview uh, came about, uh, this deathbed interview with uh, Father Levine and uh, how we managed to get to a point we couldn't get to all those years ago. Yeah, so the case uh, was unresolved for 49 years. And, um, you know, part of what I talked about upon coming into office and what I prioritized about my administration was not forgetting the people who were murdered in cases where there was no resolution, there was no arrest, and their families who had lost a loved one and, and, and just suffered the most uh, you know, awful tragedy that one can imagine. So we really haven't forgotten about anybody, but obviously there were some cases that were really prominent in the public's mind. You know, when you think about Lisa Zegert, Danny Quoto, and some others, and we put resources forward. And really, with both those cases, but speaking about the Quoto case in particular, it was taking a fresh approach, building a team that we thought brought the best resources, the best experience to bear. And with the Danny Quoto case, you know, we really said what is is here that we can do, and we did a lot of forensic work and spent over a year on exhausting forensic leads in the case, but ultimately knowing the trajectory of Mr. Levine's health, you know, uh, knowing that he had been sort of talkative with people outside of law enforcement uh, to a degree about his history, uh, we very strategically spent a lot of time talking with the right investigator, finding the right person who could go in and potentially strike up some sort of rapport or relationship with him. And, um, you know, we prepared for that, and then uh, Trooper w was was sent in at the right time, and you know, first and foremost, did everything lawfully because we were expecting and hoping for a prosecution. But, um, you know, we put together a lot of different things in the case, some things that had been around, some things that we did different that were not done in the past. But really getting Levine to speak to the issues around Danny Cordo's death and ultimately make admissions over the course of 11 hours of dialogue with a trooper. And we did so lawfully, mindful of the restrictions, and, um, you know, we really put together a case. And as I chronicled to the public when this was all announced, you know, I authorized charges on Friday afternoon, believing, as I have to ethically, that we had a good faith basis to prove these charges at trial. And, of course, Levine dies a short time later. Um, you know, we really brought that case to, uh, to a different place. And I'm very proud of that and very happy that, you know, we were able to present those answers to the family and, they were very appreciative and, and felt like this afforded some closure. A little bit bittersweet, George, because, you know, we wanted him to face justice here on Earth. We, feel, we felt like he deserved that. Um, but fate was, uh, was not going to allow that, and um, we're, we're hopeful, and I believe, you know, personally that he'll face justice somewhere else. Any other cold cases that you're working on right now? 
there's 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 a number of them. I certainly won't won't list them necessarily, but um, there's some that are very well known to the public, and there are others that are not. And that's very important to us, and very important to me that all families, you know, regardless of the status, social or otherwise, of the victim, you know, that's a family that lost a loved one. That's potentially someone who did something criminal, very serious, who's gotten away with it. So. We really put a lot of resources forward across the board on cases that are more recent and older cases, but you know certainly starting um, in earnest on the unsolved case of Lisa Ziegert and solving that within a couple of years and that case ending with a plea to first degree murder, which is very very uncommon, and Mr. Sheriff spending the rest of his life in prison without the possibility of parole, it's very significant, and and then working on on the Crotal case and you know bringing answers to the public are things I'm very very proud of. Okay. Let's go back to the uh, Emerging Adult Court of Hope. Uh, this is a, I think there's only a few of these in the country, uh, and certainly uh, maybe the only one in this region. Tell us exactly how this works. So, you know, mechanically, I'd, I'd like to get into the, a little bit of the history of it because it kind of became a labor of love for me and for uh, another person in my office. But, um, you know, really it's a, it's a it's unique, George, because it's not a diversion program. It's not for lower-level offenders. And it's for adults. This is 18 to 24-year-old individuals, which is generally the category of emerging or young adults. And we know that their brains develop differently than, than older adults, or they are developing, that they're not fully mature, that their decision-making is not the same as an older adult my age or your age. So um, we, we kind of on that basis said, what are we doing in the criminal justice system to acknowledge these differences, knowing that this population is accountable for a lot of the issues that we have, and they recidivate, and they become, you know, basically institutionalized, and, and we wanted to sort of stop that. And how this court works is the individual has to decide to come into the court through his or her defense lawyer, and they have to really make a decision that they want to invest in themselves and invest in their futures because we make it very clear that this is very intense. The work is robust. They're going to do things to improve themselves that are going to be, that are going to be very, very hard. Um, so it's not a slap on the wrist. It's not a pass. It's very hard work, and they're supervised very closely by the probation department along with ROCA, which is one of our, our main partners. And, you know, we're getting individuals who are destined to, to be in jail and prison throughout their 20s and beyond and trying to get them themselves to turn their lives around. We're not passing anything out. This is not a hand out. It's a hand up. And these young people are working very hard to develop the sort of muscle memory to work, to gain skills, to get educations, and ultimately end up with a career. So they can be productive members of society and they can have hope for their futures. And that's really the namesake of the court, right? You have to have hope. If these young people whatever age they are, but certainly as young adults, they don't have hope for their futures and hope that they can become something, then we're going to have major problems and continue to have major problems with urban street violence. So we're really trying to change the trajectory, the course of these young people's lives in a way that is totally unique. You know, there's really no one doing this kind of work with the wraparound services we're providing, you know, really getting them from point A the point B, the point C in their lives, understanding what they have to do. And, you know, it's been incredibly rewarding so far. We're going to have failures. We're going to have bumps in the road. But, you know, I think our team believes that this work is worth it. And if we can change some lives and get people from places of darkness towards, you know, a brighter future where they can be productive members of society, which is good for public safety, of course, right? But it's also good for them. Um, we're really, really excited about what the future is going to bring. And, you know, this has been covered extensively 
and um, it's unique. And we're hopeful that you know we see similar programs uh, around the state and around the country because the work is valid, uh, the work is good, and you know we're changing people's lives, which uh, you know really we're very very excited about. I know it's early in the game, and you were kind of slowed by COVID, but uh, are there already some success stories to point to with this, or? Yeah, there are. I mean, we, we've had, um, you know, seven participants. You know, we, we lost one individual who just wasn't a fit for the court. But what we're seeing, you know, are are just these small changes. I, I can't say we've turned anyone around yet. I'm not that confident. But we're seeing that turn start to happen in, in, in certain individuals in this court. You know, we're seeing them learn that you've got to get up every day and go to work, that that, is, that consistency is a positive thing. We're seeing them, you know, sort of come around and understand what the team is doing for them. And I'm talking about a judge in Springfield District Court. I'm talking about probation officers, members of my office. I'm present almost every Thursday interacting with these young people, trying to provide some wisdom and support from my perspective. Um, we're talking about individuals from Roca. We're bringing in other service providers. And, you know, you're starting to see them accept this assistance and maybe see the light of day where prior to this, they haven't had those support systems in their lives, even from their own families. A lot of these individuals, unfortunately, have had really tough childhoods. And we know, it's pretty much common sense, that, you know, when you have those struggles as a young person, you don't have the support systems, you don't have the positive role models, you know, you perpetuate that. Your life bears that out as you become, you know, uh, older juvenile and a young adult. So we're starting to see these young people accept this. We're getting them to jobs uh, where they're performing rather well. You know, they're starting to think about careers, and they're staying out of trouble. They're staying away from the negative influences. And, um, you know, we're really, we're really excited about that trajectory, what we're seeing so far and what this court can do as we continue to grow it and accept more young adults. Okay, so slicing through the programs that you put in place, it, it, it sounds to me like you're focusing not just on arresting people who commit crimes, but addressing the issues that cause people to turn to crime, uh, to try to keep people out of trouble. Uh, I don't know if that's a fair way to sum it up, but uh, can you can you talk about those efforts and exactly how much success you've seen in doing that. I guess what I want to ask is, uh, I think it was Ronald Reagan who uh, said, are you better off than you were four years ago? Are, are our streets safer than they were six years ago? And if so, how are they safer and why are they safer? You know, I, I, I hope they are. I, that's a hard you know thing to sort of um, calculate. But, you know, the work that we've done, I think, has changed lives. And, you know, that that's present in, in living in the young adult court and the community outreach work that we do with the, the other courts that we've helped to establish. Like I said, the veterans court and the drug court, we started the Hamden County addiction task force with the sheriff's department where we're working on, you know, many of the root causes of addiction. Um, you know, there's been a lot of things there that I think have had a deep impact in this community, but we also do the hard work in our court systems of, you know, prosecuting cases and trying to provide people with a turnaround plan, you know, where this is the lowest moment in their lives. Uh, let's, let's provide them with a way in which to turn around and not to come back into the criminal justice system. But, but also, you know, in our superior court, we're, we're focusing on violent offenders who are, uh, you know, threats to public safety. And, you know, the prosecutors who work in my office, who I specialized some years ago to focus on particular kinds of cases, 
you know, cases where children are victims, where the elderly or disabled individuals are victims, are uh, handled by specialized prosecutors, and we're going to the mat on those cases. Where there's repeat and violent offenders, we're going to the mat on those cases. And in, in appropriate cases, making sure those individuals don't come back out anytime soon if they've done serious things and, and, and the cases justify them. And I created a, a, a unit of murder prosecutors, so prosecutors just handling the most serious cases, dealing with families who have lost so much in the form of a loved one. So these are the best and most experienced prosecutors in the office, and we've had an incredible track record prosecuting murder cases over the last almost seven years. And I think, you know, the structure that we've created in specializing lawyers and ensuring they have the resources and time to focus on these most serious and complicated cases, I think is bearing fruit. So, you know, I, the way you put it, George, is, you know, our focusing on the root causes of crime is accurate. It's also just looking at the entire spectrum of criminal justice. You know, what can we do on the front end? What can we do with young people to educate and prevent? What can we do with individuals dealing with mental health or substance use issues who are ensnared in the court system? What can we do with young adults? What can we do with more serious offenders who are intent on, on hurting people, domestic violence or just repeat street violence? We're doing our best to protect people. All this, we believe, and I believe, leads to public safety, and I think we've made incredible progress in that area. Okay. Well, I know, coincidentally, I think you've got to get to court now, so uh, I'll let you get to that. I want to thank you for coming in. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot going on uh, at the district attorney's office, and we'll have to update this story uh, sometime later this year. We'll have you back on and talk about some more of these programs. We're, we're looking to see how that uh, emerging uh, adult court of hope uh, program is working so we'll, we'll have you back on i'd enjoy that george thanks for the time okay well thank you again uh congratulations on being one of our finalists for uh our program uh alumni thank achievement you so much. Uh, and also congratulations on uh, all the, the good work you're doing out in the community uh, we really appreciate that so i'd like to thank you all for tuning in today uh i'm george o'brien the editor of business west magazine uh we look forward to the next episode of our podcast presented uh, in partnership with Living Local. We'll see you next time.